Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called First Things First, Feature Prioritization Frameworks. Let's get started. A business is an ever-evolving thing. Luckily, you'll be at the steering wheel as the founder of your business. You'll adjust your processes and just as they're needed along the way, and you improve your product over time. Often inspiration strikes at the most random times. You read an article in an industry blog, or you listen to a podcast with someone who fits your customer profile. Oftentimes, your users reach out to you, and they tell you that they need an integration for another service, or that they had to change their workflow due to a new law that came into effect. At any given time during the course of your business, you'll have a long list of things that you could build new functionality, improvements, bug fixes, or optimizations. In short, you have a collection of features that don't yet exist. Often that list contains work for weeks or even months, but your day only has 24 hours. So if you want to get anywhere, you need to start working on something today. There are several proven frameworks to help you with uh, prioritization of features and which features to build for maximizing your outcomes. These are systems that businesses have developed to deal with features in a structured and methodical way. All these approaches attempt to remove uncertainty and to quantify desirability in a way that works for every business. So why is prioritization so hard? But when you're both a technician and the manager of your business, you will look at problems from two opposing viewpoints. The engineer in you will love a challenging problem, even more when it's something you care about. The entrepreneur in you only wants to work on things that add value to the business and the lives of your customers. Engineers don't like boring solutions, and entrepreneurs don't like technical gadgets. That one cool interface component you always wanted to build, it's probably not the most impactful thing to do for your business right now. We're notoriously bad at quantifying effort. We're mostly guessing when it comes to estimates. Cognitive biases make this even harder. Our willingness to build something makes it feel more achievable, while features we don't want to work on feel like they require more effort. Another thing we often discuss is how easily we get excited. Entrepreneurs are lifelong learners and we're curious about things that are new and challenging. Projects that we have pondered for a long time start losing their appeal when something new and shiny enters our vision. That's why prioritization systems can help us overcome our prejudice and the biases we have. So let's dive into a few types of those systems. Let's start with the feature prioritization that's called scoring. Many companies use some sort of scoring to prioritize their feature developments. And for that, a feature is looked at from several perspectives and give them a number, some sort of figure. A final score is then aggregated to balance out all the component factors in there. Intercom uses uh, the RICE method, R-I-C-E, which scores reach, impact, confidence against effort. Reach is measured directly from product metrics, so expressed as a number of people or events over time. Stuff like customers per quarter or transactions per month are the units for this kind of score. Reach expresses how many users this feature will affect once it's implemented. Impact, the I in RICE, quantifies how much a given feature enables you to reach a business goal. How much does the feature move the needle? Pretty much. 
as this is not easily expressed as a continuous number, you should be using normalized figures to represent anything from massive impact, which is number three, to medium, which is number one, down to minimal impact, which is 0.25. So any anywhere between zero and a, a bigger number. Confidence to see in rice is a percentage that expresses how confident you are in your estimates about this feature. It's pretty meta. Do you know exactly what awaits you? 100%, right? If, is it a wild guess? 20% confidence. The more you know about the complexity and the expectations related to this feature, the higher the score. And finally, effort is the time needed for a feature in person months. The time a single person needs to work on a project to complete it. And to compute the final rice score, you just multiply reach, impact, and confidence and divide it by effort. So it's kind of hard to give you a visual on this, but just imagine a project that has a reach of 400 people, an impact of you know, some, somewhere above medium, a pretty high impact of two, confidence of 80%, and an effort of two person months. If you multiply 400 with two and then with uh, 0.8, you um, get to 640 and you divide it by effort, which is two. So you get a rice score of 320. So this feature that would reach 400 people have a rather high impact when you're 80% sure about the effort and, and everything that goes into it with an effort rating of two, 320. If you look at a, another project, let's say that reaches twice as many people, 800 people, and has a much stronger impact and you have slightly more confidence in this, so 800 uh, reach, three uh, impact rating, which is substantial, and 90% confidence, and it's the same effort, the rice score for this feature will be 1,080. So it's, it's more than three times what the project with the 400 people, the medium impact and 80% confidence would have been. So you can pretty clearly see that the second feature, the second project is much, much more interesting for you to do at this point. So. This project is the clear victor among these two projects that have an effort of two men months, right? So it's the same effort, but a completely different outcome. There's an uncertainty to this. The uncertainty to this model is that impact and reach are hard to come by data points. It's kind of hard to understand how much impact this will have and how much people this will reach. There's a lot of guesswork involved still, and that is common to feature prioritization frameworks in general. In the end, you're making guesses about the future. They might be educated guesses, but they remain guesses. Let's talk about another one, um, bare metrics. They use the DIE method, D-I-E, scoring demand and impact against effort in a publicly available spreadsheet that they have on their blog, which is kind of like the RICE method, just slightly different. Demand here is on a scale from high, which is one, to low, which is three. How much pull the market exhibits, like how much demand there is, how many customers need this feature. Impact, pretty much the same, is also on a scale of high to low, again, one to three. So the lower the impact, the lower the demand, the higher this number. Um, how much this feature will move the needle, that again is impact. And then effort is on a scale that, that is borrowed, I guess, from clothing, from extra small XS uh, to just number one through small, medium, large, extra large, and XL, which is the number six, how much work this would take, right? It's just relative to other kinds of features. The dice score is then calculated by just adding all the numerical numbers together, and the lower the score, the better. 
again, let's look at a fictional feature here. Let's say our first feature has a high demand, number one, has medium impact, um, which is the number two, has an effort of large, which is the number four, the die score would be seven. And another feature that has medium demand, but a high impact and has an effort level of small, which is just two, you, these numbers would add up to five. So the high demand medium impact feature that has a lot of effort has a higher score than the medium demand high impact feature that has a has less effort, which has a score of five. So you can clearly see the lower the score, the better this feature would rank. So that one, the lower one would be the other feature and should be prioritized. In almost all systems, scoring usually boils down to comparing potential gains versus the potential effort in creating the feature, and that's weighed for risk. It's an excellent choice for bootstrap businesses, in my belief, because as including development effort is a real requirement for a company like this um, that doesn't have funds for extensive R&D exploration, you need to have it in your system. So scoring is really, really helpful for us bootstrappers to determine before we even go into something, if the benefits outweigh the expenses that come with it. Let's look at another model, the Kano model, K-A-N-O. This model attempts to set customer delight, the concept of customer delight against pr product function, um, comparing customer value generation with the investment needed to improve the feature over time. It's a very interesting approach. If a feature gets better and better, the more you invest in it, then it's a great choice. That's the core idea behind this model. If it doesn't make your customer much happier, but requires a lot of maintenance, it's not a priority. And every feature is measured that way. And you, you will see that that kind of produces a couple of clusters of feature. And that's very interesting. The Kano model distinguishes between basic features that your product just needs to be useful. They are called the threshold features. It's just really needed for the business to run. And excitement features, the ones that are the most desirable outcome. When you invest time into such a feature and an excitement feature, they yield a disproportionately high increase in the delight of your customers. Once you have them, your customers' joy of using your product skyrockets ever higher the more work you put into them. That is really cool. Between the um, threshold, the baseline, right, and the excitement features are what is called the performance features. Those increase customer satisfaction proportionally with the time and effort you invest in them. They're useful and provide value, but they can never accomplish the same level of impact that excitement features will. It's like the, the bread and butter kind of features would be the, the basics and performance are things that are really nice, but not making people yell with excitement. So anything in between, right? That could be nice um, animations or a user interface that people can really easily use. That would be performance, but excitement is something else. Excitement is delight. And that comes from somewhere else. So these two kind of features um, are, oh, well, well, yeah. So excitement and performance, those are the things you really want to look into. And there are two kinds of features that are discouraged by this model. That would be the indifferent features and the dissatisfaction features. So anything that customers don't care about, which is indifference, or that will upset them should be avoided. And that could be features that are purely for your own benefit, right? Things like building a referral system into a product where people don't usually refer anything. That is uh, something that can upset them. Or building barriers to entry barriers to using a feature in there because you want to discourage people from using it. That will also upset them. So this is to be avoided. 
And the Kano model gives you wonderful progression in a way. In essence, you can find the most critical minimum threshold features that you need to supply. Then on top of that, you stack the performance features that you can start working on early and the excitement features that will turn your customers into raving fans. Finding those and building them as quickly as you can, that should be your main goal with using the Kano model. So um, let's talk about another one real quick, another kind of prioritization framework, which is called story mapping. I think that's also always very interesting for the more narrative kind of people um, among the founders, because if you come from the agile development world, you will know story mapping as a way to quickly figure out the order of steps you need to get to a fully working customer workflow, implement it from start to finish. That's the idea. So you map out the workflow step by step using something like a Kanban board or Kanban cards, also a potential, and you arrange them in order from start of the customer experience to the stage that then yields the final result. And then you order those steps by importance and you put the most important step at the top and decreasing importance the further down you get. And finally, you, you create horizontal slices and you group all those steps into releases. Now you have a prioritized list of groups of items where you can apply further prioritization until you're happy with the order of things. And the most impactful, the most important ones are first. So that's the idea of story mapping, which also kind of optimizes pretty well for Bootstrapper because you want to get the most important, most impactful stuff done first to release it as quickly as you can and then see if the rest that is in your mind, the things you plan, actually is required. Because sometimes that will be just enough. Like the first couple things that have the highest impact, they will be more than enough. So we've talked about scoring, we've talked about the Kano method, and we talked about um, story mapping. So let's talk about other things. There are many other systems to prioritize features. There is a thing called affinity grouping. There's opportunity scoring. There's this uh, wonderful thing called buy a feature, where you actually make your customers put money on the table if they want to see a feature. And then there's value versus complexity scoring and many, many more. You can do a lot, you could do a lot of research on all of this and it's going to be very interesting. Just really make sure to stick to one system once you've found it to be usable for your business. Because switching around the systems may or will, I guess, lead to prioritization confusion, right? You will not know which system is actually the priority to determine the priority of your features, which is crazy. So that will impact the capability of your business to make a, or capability of you as a founder to make a sound or consistent product evolution choice. So you really need to stick with one. And in the end, try to limit the effort you put into priority, prioritizing features. Right? If you spend days working on what you should be working on, instead of actually building features, you won't be able to do any real world uh, validation. It's tempting to play with the numbers to see which kinds of priority lists you can come up with, but the goal of this process is not to get a perfectly legitimated checklist. Feature prioritization is a guesstimate at best, and it's fed by intuition and preliminary assumptions and a couple of metrics maybe, but treat it as a potential, like a fallible activity. Spend a few hours on this task and consistently revisit your choices every few weeks as a form of, I guess, continuous validation and spend most of your time actually working on your product because incrementally improving a flawed product is better than not having a product at all.
So let's quickly talk a bit about my own experiences with this um, over the most recent years. Um, I have a couple of things to say about this. At Feedback Panda, we evolved how we dealt with feature priorities a number of times throughout the business. In the beginning, we did not have a process at all. We would build what we felt was needed, and I would note down customer suggestions on post-its and just stick them to the wall. Every few days, I would go through those whenever I would glance at my wall, I guess, and see if there was anything I wanted to build. Any idea that came my way from both inside the company, from me or Danielle, or from our customers, I would add it if it passed a quick sanity check, right? Is this something really... Um, that could benefit our product, but that was it. I didn't score it, didn't do anything. And we had an unfinished product at this point. And we were aware of the fact that while we tried to anticipate the needs of our users, only they would really know what they needed. So whenever we heard something multiple times expressed by our customers, it was probably good enough of an indicator that it was something we should be building. So it was likely a good feature to add quickly. And we did that in the beginning. After a few months, we turned this into a more formal process. We would start collecting all feature suggestions in a Google Doc. And every week or two, we'd take a look into the document and look for things that deserved our attention. Often, this would lead to extensive discussions about the trajectory of the business and the product. And that's, that kind of discussion was still very flexible. And we never scored our feature ideas using any system at that point. We just ranked them in order of relevance and how it fit into what we wanted our product and our business to be. And then I guess around a year after we started the business, I took this process a bit further in my own development work. And I started looking into the features that we had ranked through this uh, system. Um, and I looked at it through the lens of development effort and overall impact. So I would have um, have my own development related list that was ranked by effort and impact in equal measure. In a way, it's kind of like the die score that I mentioned earlier with the, the bare metric system, but even simpler. So I didn't factor in demand as much because we had already kind of pre-qualified this. So I just really had impact and effort and I kind of prioritized the list that way for myself for the development work, which was I guess scarce because I was also running a lot of other parts of the business. There was a lot of operational stuff that kind of limited the time that I could do development at this later stage because we all of a sudden had a couple thousand customers that we needed to take care of. And there was more things to do than just build more features. So the feature prioritization became even more important at that point. We made sure that any feature we would build or even consider building would create traction instead of distraction for our customers. Traction here means, for me, that it gets the user from their starting point to their goal of managing their student and writing their students and writing feedback fast. So that was the goal that we had in our business. That was the goal that we had in a product. That was what we wanted people to accomplish. Manage students, write feedback quickly. So focusing on making every feature, get them there much faster than before was a good guideline. A couple examples. We added a template sharing system where our customers could import text templates from other users, other teachers that used the product, and thus skipped the arduous task of writing stuff themselves. Traction, right? The people saved time, got feedback done quicker. We added a text snippet feature, um, like text expander, stuff like, um, yeah, where people could use, often use text fragments like, I had a great time teaching a child today, or... I won't be um, teaching this week, stuff like that. Similar phrases that I could just add to their feedback with keyboard shortcuts. 
And that was even less writing, even quicker feedback, traction again. Here's the thing that we didn't add. Uh, we were thinking about building like a calendar synchronization tool that some teachers had asked for already as a feature um, suggestion. While it would have been very useful for many that, to have something that would allow them to sync and check their work schedules because they were teaching for multiple schools and sometimes there was overlap and that was kind of complicated. This would have meant significant dev work on my end and it only would have impacted like 10 or 15% of our users and likely confused the rest because they wouldn't need it. And for the ones that it would have helped, it didn't get them to faster feedback or better student management. Distraction. So we didn't create that feature and many other features weren't considered for the same reason. And I think this worked so well because Feedback Panda was a solution to a critical problem. And it was a solution that didn't aspire to solve other problems as well. We handled one use case and we focused on solving that problem the best possible way with every single change we made to the product. It's do one thing well and nothing else. And if you build a product and a business like that, then prioritizing your features will be very easy and clear because you know exactly what to optimize for. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-E-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me in the podcast, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe to it. It'll help other founders or founders-to-be to find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap business. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.